1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from Remax Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. You have today's first guest. I sure do, Tina, and it's Colin Mason from The Mortgage Domain. Colin, welcome back to On The Market. Thanks for having me. Colin, so much has been going on with you guys and mortgage rates and applications going through the roof. Tell our listeners a little bit about what's going on. Uh, well, we're seeing a lot of people starting to queue up. I think uh, the anticipation of rates uh, coming down in the potentially in the uh, late spring is starting to get some people interested. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a lot lot more activity. Nothing really. Uh, there hasn't been a, a huge amount of uh, transactions at this stage. Just a lot of people starting to come out and say, "Hey, what are rates doing? What do you think?" and and starting to submit their applications in, whereas perhaps before they were sort of holding off a little bit. And if you do have mortgages that are coming up for renewal right about now, what would you be advising your clients? Yeah, a lot of a lot of mortgages are coming up for renewal, as everybody's well aware over the next few years. It's going to be uh, a lot of people coming up for renewal with lower interest rates that are going to be in for a little bit of a uh, a, a shock. I think that uh, depending on when that mortgage is coming up for renewal, uh, they may be happy that rates have probably or hopefully dropped by that point, uh, especially if it's in the 20, late 2024 into 2025. Um, so those people may not be as, quite as concerned uh, or as shocked at the, uh, at the difference. For anybody that's coming up for renewal in the foreseeable future, we've, we've been dealing with today alone, we've just been, uh, the phone's been ringing quite a bit with people asking, uh, we've been suggesting, we don't recommend anybody, uh, you know, obviously we give the tools to make the decision on their own, but we, the variable rate is starting to become something that people are entertaining. Fixed rates are still lower than variable rate mortgages right now, significantly. Five years are still the, the deal to be had, but a lot of people are starting to realize that maybe five years is not where they want to be. You know, for example, if we have a rate of uh, 5.19 for a five-year fix, but in a year from now, if rates do drop significantly down, they may be stuck with that rate. So some clients are starting to agree that the variable rate is uh, something that uh, is a little bit more attractive. And Colin, with people coming off of the fence now and just starting to kick tires, maybe looking at different mortgage rates, how long does a pre-approval usually last? Uh, typically, the pre-approvals are 120 days, uh, but you know this is where always keep in touch with your uh, mortgage provider um, to make sure that they're updating it. Especially, um, you know, if rates do move, uh, they can re-lock in that 120 days. So let's say 38 days into your 120-day rate hold, rates go up, then you could ask to have that 120-day clock start then. And that'll just extend it by the extra 30 days. In today's market, as you know, though, as per our conversations, um, rate holds aren't quite as important as they were before for clients because you get a rate hold today, you know, rates are going to potentially drop between now and the closing date, so between the time that they find the property. 
Um, still definitely good to have, but they're not quite as important uh, because, you know, if rates do drop, then you're going to be looking more to see, to make sure that you're going to get the lowest rate prior to the closing date. And overall, do you think that, you know, folks are, are feeling optimistic or pessimistic in terms of being able to make payments when they're renewed at a higher rate, perhaps? There's been some concern. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, there's always going to be fallout. There's always going to be people that just can't hand, handle the, the, the change. But I think overall, the market and the consumer has been quite resilient with the, they've budgeted, they've cut back, uh, they've changed the, their financial behavior to make sure that they can weather the storm. Remembering that a lot of people, this is one of the reasons why, you know, Asif and I have talked about this many times, why we don't feel the housing prices dropped as rapidly and, and as significantly as people anticipated. It wasn't this doom and gloom scenario that people thought everybody was just going to dump their houses and the housing market was going to tank. Is because of the fact that uh, people had a lot of equity in their homes. So they figured out other ways to make ends meet, whether it was having, you know, uh, generational, the property becoming a generational home where there's more than one generation living in the house and combining income, maybe part-time jobs or scaling back, refinancing. There's all kinds of different ways that people have been able to hold on to their properties and utilize that equity. And so I think that's, of course, with a supply issue or, or lack of supply, I think that's why people have been able to weather the storm a little bit better. So. On one of the requests that we're getting, especially with prices climbing and affordability being such a factor with the higher rates, People want secondary suites within the premises that they're looking at. How does a secondary suite or a basement apartment affect affordability in terms of qualifications for a mortgage? It helps a lot. Um, one thing I will warn people about is making sure that they are legal um, apartments or suites because um, in order for the banks to use the income uh, generated, it has to be a proper rental property. Now, appraisals will reflect will reflect that. Um, I know that in certain municipalities, they are not strict on that particular component, but it is advised that uh, that a lot many of the uh, municipalities um, are starting to um, make it so that the pro- properties have to be compliant. Uh, the banks are catching on to that and making sure as well. So, so you know. Um, Another area, like rooming homes and stuff like that, uh, or areas where near universities where you have multiple separate doors into various different um, units, they, the banks don't use that as, as income. Also, Airbnbs, they don't use those as income. So you just have to be very careful if, that's, if, you, if you're going to be basing your approval and your purchase on uh, other forms of income based on the property, consult with your mortgage broker, make sure that you're getting all of the facts as to what the banks will use. Um, and also another thing is they don't use all of the rent. They you will only use sort of a rule of thumb is 50% of the rent and 100% of the liability. So just keep some of these things in mind if that's the, the, the direction you're going to go. And Colin, with, with regards to, you know, the bank of mom and dad helping does that really make a difference? Do some banks say it can't be borrowed funds? And at what time is it a good idea for the bank of mom and dad to kick in for a down payment or anything that can help the, the kids get into their first home? Well, down payment is obviously 
one component, but income is the other. So we're getting a lot of scenarios where people are saying, hey, my parents are going to give me $250,000, and that's acceptable um, as long as it follows the guidelines of the bank, the anti-money laundering requirements that the banks have in place, um, where we have to verify that's, or that's to verify the down payment and where it's coming from. But as long as that meets the criteria, there's no problem with that. The only issue that we're running into is that people are coming with pretty heavy down payments but they still don't qualify for the debt on the debt servicing side because of their income. And many of the parents aren't able to, uh, they're able to help out with a down payment, but their income isn't enough to really help uh, from a debt servicing perspective. So that is another challenge we're running into. So the next Bank of Canada announcement is expected for the 24th, just a few days away. What do you expect to be hearing? Uh, I think that it's going to remain flat. There are some talks because of inflation not being where they wanted it, that, uh, that you know, there is the possibility that it might, they might increase um, the, the prime lending rate. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be flat. But again, I've been wrong before. <laughs> Asif, what do you think? I think it's going to remain flat too. And I was going to ask Colin, how much does the rate contribute to inflation? Because if the rate stays the same or comes down a little bit, Aren't we decreasing the inflation rate through that? Well, I'm not the best guy to ask on that. <laughs> I, but I, I, in my opinion, I, you know, when we take a look at some of the inflationary pressures, interest is one of them. Um, so you know, if you take it to its next logical conclusion that, well, if we keep increasing the rate to stop inflation, but rates are contributing to inflation, at some point, somebody's going to realize that, hey, this isn't working. I think that the, the, the rate increases were a good move early in the process. I think that, that there's a point where you have to realize that you, you hit your saturation point with it, and I think we're there. So I think they have to start looking. If, if inflation continues to go up, or at least is not where they want it to be, the 2% target, then I think that um, they're going to have to start looking at some other ways that they can combat it without... Um, playing with the uh, interest rates. Because at some point, they're going to have to start lowering the rate. Otherwise, we're going to be deep in a recession. And Colin, if our listeners want to connect with you over anything that we just discussed, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, I, I touched on a few things there that are pretty complicated and lots of details. So if anybody wants to reach out, um, just call me on my cell phone. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me, uh, 416-676. Six seven seven seven. Just like Drake, call him on his cell phone. Colin, thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope to have you on again. Thank you. When we come back, the cost of rent from the National Rent Report. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties, with today's next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Giacomo Lattice from Rentals.ca. Giacomo, welcome back to On the Market. Hey, Doc. Nice to be back. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Giacomo, we have been trying to follow the rental report, and I'm hearing rents were up 9% last year. I'm hearing rents were down for three months in a row. 
set the record straight for our listeners. What's going on with the rental market and how did we close off 2023? Yes, of course. Happy to do that. So the average asking rents for all residential property types in Canada reached a new record high in December. So the average rent right now is $2,178, which is a 9% increase. Um, what does that mean for dollars and cents? Well, over the past two years, asking rents in Canada have increased by about 22%, which equates to about $390 a month more in rent that someone would be paying now as opposed to two years ago. Um, the 9% increase we saw in 2023, it's lower than it was in 2022 when it was 12%, um, but still, when you combine the year-over-year increase there, it's quite high. And what was the average one-bedroom rent in the country? Yes, yeah, so one-bedroom apartments grew by 13% in 2023, reaching an average of uh, $1,932 just for a one-bedroom there. Um, studio rents increased by a little bit less, just by about 12%, and two-bedrooms grew by just shy of 10%. And Giacomo, what were the highs and lows? So what's the most affordable area in Canada for renting, and then what would be at the other end of the spectrum where you know, we're pushing that unaffordability type of room? Yeah, that's a great question. So if we keep in the back of our head that the average rent right now is about $2,100, um, the lowest end on that scale would be Saskatoon, where a one-bedroom apartment on average will be about $1,150 a month. So we're about half of what the average is. Now, on the higher end, uh, a Vancouver one-bedroom apartment, that's going to cost you right around $3,000 a month. Uh, so as you can see, it's over almost $1,000 more than the average rent right now. Toronto is close behind, where the average one-bedroom apartment in Toronto is over $2,500 a month. So much above the national average there. But areas like Saskatoon or Regina, Fort McMurray, Edmonton, Winnipeg, for example, they're seven to $800 less than the national average right now. And is, you know, is availability, is there, you know, inventory for folks to find places to rent if they can even find a place to afford? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because we've actually had the highest level of new rental completions since the 1970s um, in, this, in this past year or two. However, in 2023, we actually saw a decline in rental construction uh, starting. So it's actually reduced a little bit from 2022 Obviously, the supply and demand issue is is where this price increases are happening, right? There's not enough supply for the demand we're seeing. And even though we are increasing the starts of apartments to a new decade high, the purposeful rental market has been so undersupplied for decades now that we're really just playing catch-up right now. And the government announced a lot of incentives, you know, in particular, the savings of HST on purpose-built rentals. Do you think that's going to contribute significantly to the inventory levels, or is that just, you know, high hopes for something to happen, but we're not going to get there? Well, that's a great question, and it is a really good step in the right direction. And when I talk to developers, the first thing they say is that they're happy that this issue is getting into policymakers' decisions where they're actually doing actionable things, such as, removing taxes. So yes, we do expect that developers will be more incentivized to build purpose-built rentals. However, the cost of interest rates, labor, lumber, all that is so, so much higher that even for a developer, it's a quite an astronomical cost to build these purpose-built rentals. So while the HSC removal is a great first step, 
it's really just a start until we get a larger supply coming into the market. What do you anticipate for the rental market in 2024? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell without a crystal ball here, but what we're predicting at Rentals.ca is that there will still be a strong rental demand, um, which may moderate compared to 2023 due to factors such as the economy potentially slowing down a little bit, maybe a reduction in non-permanent residents, and hopefully an increase in home buying activity with declining interest rates maybe to come will help spur the market a little bit. Again, so much of this is that there's a tendency for people in the rental market to get into the homeownership market with the interest rates the way they are and the prices of homes. Anecdotally, like someone like me, I'm more inclined to wait until the housing market settles and then I'm willing to move out. And when that happens, there'll be more turnover. And when there's more turnover, there's more supply. So we're looking to see what happens in 2024, but there's a chance that it might even out a little bit, but demand is still going to be high. Do you think lower interest rates on the horizon will contribute to a little bit less demand in rentals and maybe some of the people that were on the fence between renting and buying will shift towards purchasing? Yes, I think that's actually a, a huge factor in this. If interest rates come down a little bit, there's a large, large amount of people that I know in my life just anecdotally hear that want to get into the housing market, but they're waiting for that interest rates to go down. Um, and on the flip side there, if interest rates go down, it becomes a little bit more affordable for developers to build purpose-built rentals. It seems like right now we're in kind of a waiting period to see what happens. Is, is the interest rates going to go down? Is the economy going to crash? People are just kind of on their toes right now waiting to see what will happen. But the interest rate is a large factor in all of this. Have you seen anything like the current rental market that we're experiencing right now? Unfortunately, I don't think we've really seen this ever in Canada. The vacancy rates that we're seeing, you know, we're looking at sub 2% for some areas. Um, we haven't seen anything like this. And on the flip side, we haven't really seen Canada's population increase at the rate it is now. The annual average is about 1.5%, but just last year it was just shy of 3%. So while vacancy rates are at a historic low, there's never been more demand as there's more people looking for these purpose-built rentals. So this is kind of an unprecedented territory right now, so no one is truly sure what's to come. And Jack, well, if we were to drill down a little bit closer to home in York Region, what would be some of the highlights from York Region? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we're seeing in the York Region in general, um, it's actually very similar to what we're seeing in kind of the Vancouver market as well. Um, the York Region in the last two years, on average, the rent has increased by about 22%, which obviously is an incredible amount. But because of that, it seems to have cooled off a little bit. Um, North York, for example, month over month, rent has actually decreased. Um, same with Brampton, same with Toronto. Um, it's interesting, actually, that rent has actually started to cool off and come down in price. And the reason for that is people aren't able to afford these rents anymore, and we're seeing large interprovincial migration of people from the Toronto, the York region, Mississauga, actually leave and go to Alberta or go to the Maritimes. Um, so I guess kind of to summarize that, we're actually seeing a cooling off month-over-month -month rent, and the year-over-year -year increase is, is a fraction of what it is in other areas across Canada. And with the legalization of secondary suites in, in a lot of municipalities, do you think that will help ease the pain of the really, really low inventory that we're seeing in the rental market? 
Well, we do think it will help. Um, it's at a point now where any supply that we can get is going to be beneficial to the market. Um, but if we look at what well, the CMHC estimated, you know, by 2030, they suggested we need just over 3 million new homes built in this country, which is triple Canada's historic building rate. So, yes, by adding that new inventory into the market, it definitely will help. It, you know, we need as much as we can get right now. But we're so behind, and the purposeful rental market has been so neglected for new developments um, that it's going to take a, a large effort from the federal and the provincial government and municipalities to really springboard purposeful rentals being built. Chuck, well, thank you for your time once again, and, and welcome back to On the Market. If our listeners want to connect with you about your rental report, where can they find it? Yes, of course. Nice and easy. You just go to rentals.ca. Right at the top of the page, you'll see rent report. We'll have this past report right there in the right at the top, and then you can look at historical ones as well if you want to see the changes month over month. Thank you, Jack. We'll have a great weekend. You as well. Thanks so much. When we come back, your real estate questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Your questions for Asif Khan are next. And we begin with Barb from Thornhill. She wants to know, what is a bully offer? Asif, how does this work? A bully offer is when you're in a situation where people are accepting offers on a certain date. So suppose you see the property now and you know that in five days, that's when they want to accept offers. You may want to jump the gun and try to snag this property before everyone else comes in with their offers. So what you want to do is you want to make the strongest offer that you can make, and you want to submit it with an irrevocable maybe of 24 hours, and that way the seller then has to decide if they're going to deal with your bully offer because it's prior to the offer date, or if they're going to wait until the offer comes in. Now what happens with the bully offer is... All the other agents that have shown it have to be notified that an offer has come in and when it's presenting. So it's not out of the ordinary for a bully offer after it's registered to all of a sudden turn into multiple offers as well because there may be a lot of people waiting to purchase this property on that offer date and as soon as that offer comes in, they also may want to participate. So that's why if you make your offer as strong as possible, Make sure that if you're doing a home inspection, you get it done prior to putting the bully offer so that you have all the information on hand and you can go in with your best foot forward. You have a pretty good chance of coming out on top. So the bully offer or jumping the gun, as you said, is that ethical or is it kind of an unwritten understanding? Well, it is ethical if it's done properly. So your agent would register the offer. The agent for the property would alert everybody that, hey, I've received a bully offer, even though it's not on that offer date, I've received it. Now, at the end of the day, the sellers decide when they're going to look at offers. So if the seller has signed off on a form that says, we will not like to look at any offers until this offer date, then the agent can tell them that an offer has come in. However, the seller may say, that's great, hold on to it. I'm not looking at anything for five days. So at the end of the day, it's the seller's choice on when they want to deal with the offers. And if an offer comes in 
fairly strong and it checks all the boxes of what the seller wants, they may decide that, okay, fine, I will look at that one now. Let everyone know that we've received this offer. What does the best offer include? Is it just about the dollar amount? It's not. It has to, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And that's why sometimes in multiple offers, it's not the highest offer that wins because the seller may be looking for a specific closing date. The deposit is another one. Is it on hand, which means you submit your deposit with the offer? Are there any conditions that the deal could fall apart over? Home inspection, financing, anything like that, that could kill the deal over the next five days or so, because then it's not a strong offer if you're turning other offers away for it. So there's a a lot of factors that go into an offer, and it's not simply based on price. There's so many different variables that can affect the offer, and you want to make sure that you check all the boxes that the seller is looking for. Is this a bully offer market? It, we're coming into it. So okay. right now it's not, but as the market starts to change and we start getting into late February, early March, and, and there's a lot more activity out there, people will be putting offer dates on, and that could be the time where you can go in with a bully offer. Right now it's a fairly balanced market in terms of offers, and you may not even be competing on some of those offers. However, that's changing. That's changing every day, and As we continue through January, we're starting to see that uh, multiple offers are coming back into play. Next question, Brendan from King wants to know, how does he prepare his basement for rental? Should he enlist the advice and expertise of an agent? You, I mean, if you're renting your basement, what you want to make sure is you want to make sure that you're getting the right people into that basement apartment. These people are going to be living in the house with you if you do live there or they're living with someone else if the upper floors are rented out as well. So you want to make sure that you don't have any bad apples. You want to review all of their qualifications, their credit report, their references, their their employment. All of that needs to be looked after. And that's what agents do with a lot of these situations is they will do the due diligence on your behalf in order to make sure that you're getting the right tenant. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? You can reach me at 416-985-5426. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez for Asif Khan. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.